Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. How y'all doing? Good. So good to see you. I know a lot of you are getting in, you're, you're either been, got school started and you're kind of getting back, you know, in the, in the swing of things. And some of you are just now getting, you know, this week, you'll finally get rid of those kids this week. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, and uh, peace is restored. So how you doing? Good. So uh, I want to just warn you today, today's is a, it's not a fun sermon. I want to talk today about healing from past hurts and not Pat Hurts, who you should remember to pray for because she's in rehab right now, Pat Hurts. So you don't need to heal from Pat Hurts. Though she was here, I would make that joke about her. Uh, and she's used to that by now. Uh, but, but past hurts, and we all have them. But I want to talk about something that's really not talked about often in churches and mainly because it's really difficult and uncomfortable. Uh, it's a horrible problem, and we're going to talk about abuse. The stats on abuse, uh, they're very, likely very incomplete. Uh, most abuse is underreported and un, often unrecognized. Uh, one in four women have experienced severe physical violence by an intimate partner. One in four women and one out of six men are sexually abused in their lifetime. In eight out of ten rape cases, the victim knows the attacker. And this is what's interesting. Only 28% of victims report their sexual assault to the police. So first of all, I don't know how you know the percentage of an unreported crime. So basically what it's saying is that a lot of this is not reported. So the numbers that are given and the statistics that are given are very likely much, much higher than the numbers that we have. Almost 50% of the adults in the U.S. have experienced psychological aggression. Often with sexual abuse, there's also emotional abuse. One in three girls and one in five boys are sexually assaulted by age 18. A report of child abuse is made every 10 seconds. More than four children die in the U.S. each day because of child abuse. More than 90% of child sexual abuse victims know their attacker. Approximately 70% of children that die from abuse are under the age of four. About 30% of neglected, abused and neglected children will later abuse their own children, continuing the cycle of violence. So, doesn't that break your heart? It, it, it breaks my heart. I believe it breaks God's heart. And that's why it's important to talk about. Although it's, this is, you know, last week somebody said, you were so funny, you're not going to say that this week. Because this isn't funny. Uh, 
But I want to apologize from the very beginning, not for what I'm going to say, but what I'm going to say is incomplete. It's not enough to really cover the subject. Uh, there's in 30 minutes, there's really no way to cover every angle of this subject. My goal is, if you're an abuser, I want you to stop. Just, that's it. If you're abused, I wanna, want you to get help and start you on the journey towards healing. If you haven't already begun that journey, my goal is today is not to call you out in any way, but maybe help you on the journey of healing, which I believe healing for many of us is a long journey. Change is often way more difficult than we often imagine. Have you found that to be true about yourself? So, so today we're going to talk about when past hurts still hurts. And so I want you to pray with me and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we need your Holy Spirit. You know our hearts. You know our minds. You know the ones that are hurting. You know the ones that are, that are the hurters. Lord, I pray that you would help us today, bring healing by your word and by your power. May this, this is not the be all end all. This is just a moment, hopefully for beginning, to, to move those that are hurting towards healing. And we ask today for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in this been there series, and for the most part, the pain you're facing, Jesus has been there. He's faced the same kind of pain that you have faced. He understands. Hebrews 4.15 is the verse we've been using kind of as our springboard for all of these topics. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. So anything you face, Jesus understands. Uh, so we get, you think, well, what about abuse? Well, in Matthew chapter 27, in six verses, we get a glimpse of the horror and the torture and the physical and the emotional and the psychological abuse that Jesus endured on the cross and to getting to the cross. In Matthew 27, it's verse 26, it says, then they released Barabbas. They had already, you know, he tried to release Jesus. They said, no, give us Barabbas. And he released Barabbas to them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. So they scourged Jesus, and we kind of read that, and we just kind of read past it. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, they, they gave him a whipping, you know. Uh, this, is the first of, this is the first of four times in the narrative from the court to the cross that Jesus was stripped naked four times to increase the pain of his suffering and, of course, to humiliate him. So the scourging is that they took Jesus, they stripped him naked, and they would have handcuffed his naked body to a post, and then they would begin to strike him with a flagellum or a flagrum, which was a whip, with, with multi-tails on the end of it. And on the end of those, they put pieces of glass, pieces of bone, pieces of metal, anything that would inflict 
cutting, tearing, ripping of the muscle. This was so brutal that Romans could not use this on Romans. It could only be applied to slaves and foreigners. So the guard, the Roman guard, would strike the body, often wrapping around. It just wasn't on the back, but often wrapping around and tearing at the stomach also, the stomach muscles, the, the tissue, the nerves being laid bare. And they would do this repeatedly until the body was a bloody pulp. The Jews had a law that you, they could only strike 39 blows. But the Romans had no such law. And they would often strike so much that the first, the first soldier who is striking would grow tired and they would hand it over to someone else and they would continue striking so that the victim was just really a bloody pulp by the time they got through and would often, in extreme pain, you know that often in extreme pain, they would vomit in extreme pain. They would have uncontrollable tremors that often pass out and even sometimes die from the loss of blood from the beating because of the proximity of the kidneys and the amount of damage that could be done to the body. So Jesus, in that moment, <laughs> in that moment that we, you know, you read and they scourged him and it, you, it's hard to not see the depth of the pain and agony that Jesus endured for us, right? It's, it's, it's like, oh yeah, they beat him. Well, they, they beat him to death and they laid him bare and he was in unbelievable pain. And then in Matthew 27, they took him to the cross. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and they gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him. This is the second time. And they put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. And they took the reed and began to beat him on the head. Now, what's on his head? The crown of thorns. So they're, they're taking this, this reed rod and they're hitting, that, hitting Jesus on the top of the head and they're driving the thorns on the crown of thorns deep. I don't, we have on this church property, we have a tree called a honey locust tree. And I've got to wonder if it's what they got, the tree they got their thorns from. And the thorns are three to five inches long. They make a mesquite tree look like a baby. And they will, they will go through a car tire. They're, they're very durable. Uh, when we were building the church property, I had to have about 50 flats repaired from thorns. And so this is what they, this is what they put on Jesus' head and then, then beat it into his head uh, and mocked him. And then they took the scarlet robe off of him the third time and put his own garments back on him and they led him away to be crucified. And we all, we, you know that the crucifixion was in, unbelievable, it was incredible. Uh, the word crucifixion 
we get the word excruciating. When we think about excruciating pain, what does that mean? It means from the cross. We, we, excruciating pain means from the cross. And the Romans had just perfected this. This was, this was, uh, was a pain they inflicted on rebels and slaves that rebelled or slaves that ran away. This was a pain that they inflicted on them. And uh, it was excruciating. They, they did it a lot of different ways, but the end result was pretty much always the same. Whether they, they put him on a cross, you've all seen in, in resurrection plays or stories or about Jesus on the cross, the cross is on the ground and they raise it up and put it in, boom, it goes you know, into a hole in the ground. Or whether, whether the, the standard was already in place and they raised the cross beam in place with ropes, but they, it was all... Basically the same, that they would, they stripped him naked again. Then they drove nails either in his hands or his wrist uh, so that it would hold the weight of his body. Then they would drove more nails in his ankles or, or his feet. And so in the, the purpose the purpose of this was for, for them to suffer. The goal was for, this, for Jesus, to, for the person who was on the cross to be humiliated for a long period of time. They wanted this to go on and on for days if possible. That, that was the cruelty of the Romans that had perfected this. So it was every breath was labored because as they hung on the cross, they were not able to breathe. They would lose their ability to breathe. So the only way they could take a breath is that they would have to push up on the nails that were in their feet, push against the nails on their feet to raise themselves up so they could take a breath and then settle back down. So just ongoing agony until they slowly suffocated to death. And that's just the physical side. Jesus, different than everyone else who died on a cross, he took our sins, he died our death. He took our rejection. He took our rejection. He took our judgment. He On the cross, he took and said, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he took that emotional, physical abuse for us. That's the way Jesus died. So for those of you that have suffered severe physical, emotional abuse, Jesus has been there. And sadly, you know, we don't talk about it. If that's happened to you and... I had someone come to me after the first service and said, if, you, if someone needs, after the second service needs to talk to somebody, I'll be glad to talk with them because I know, they said to me, I know how hard it is to say those words and talk about it, to lay it out. And often we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it often for good reasons because often people don't believe us. People often don't or discount and don't believe the abuse was real. They minimize the abuse. Like, you know, well, that was, that was 30 years ago. What difference does that make now? 
or that was 10 years ago, or that was five years ago. Or, in other words, they minimize it or like, or like it's not a big deal. Or, or they may silence you about it. You may tell someone this abuse happened. Don't, oh, don't, don't say anything about that. Oh, man, horrible things will happen if you say that. That's going to cause your uncle to go to jail. That's going to cause, you know, that's going to cause problems. Just keep your mouth shut. Often, often the, the victim is blamed. I mean, you'll, even in modern day rape cases, the person that gets raped is going to be attacked by the defense that they were asking for it. They dressed too provocatively. So, uh, it's a problem. So what is abuse? This is not an exhaustive list by any means. Physical abuse, hitting, pushing, choking, kicking, biting. Sexual abuse, any unwanted sexual behavior imposed without consent. Rape, rape, date rape, rape in marriage, sexual assault, inappropriate touching, sexual comments, harassment at work, and more. Emotional abuse. Emotional abuse is often most common in homes, often goes with sexual abuse, but not always. Verbal abuse, name-calling, controlling, constant criticizing, isolating, shaming, gaslighting, blaming, threatening abuse, threatening to leave, threatening divorce, threatening suicide, threatening to hurt the family. Uh, there's also spiritual abuse. Churches, some churches can abuse people. They weaponize the Bible. They use spiritual authority to control. They use spiritual authority to manipulate, uh, to shame people, to threaten with spiritual consequences. You'll go to hell if you don't do what I tell you to do. I'm your spiritual authority, and you need to obey me. And uh, so that's abusive. Uh, so some in the church, some, so when you, they don't talk about it in the church uh, because they don't see it, as a, they see it as a legal problem, a justice problem, something that should be handled by the courts. Not all abuse is criminal, but all abuse is sinful. That's why we're talking about it today, because it matters to God. Why are we talking about this today? Isn't this uncomfortable? I mean, I don't want to talk about this, but we need to talk about it. Because, it's, because people are important to God. And if people are important to God, they should be important to us. So, how do we address this as Christians? Well, here's what I want. I want today to help pick up the pieces and begin the process that if you have been abused... For you to get healthy and heal. And I know it is a process. And it's not easy. But I believe that with God. And with godly counsel. And good godly counseling. And a safe community. I believe that you can get healing. We have testimonies. We have people in this room. That have healed from the abuse of their past. But before we begin. I just want to address. It's statistically likely. That there is someone or some ones in this room that are abusers. You understand? You under, statistically, right? So if you're, 
abusing, it's likely that you've been abused. But if you're abusing, you need to get help and you need to stop now. It's not okay. It's never been okay. And you need to stop making excuses and you need to repent. And to repent means to change direction. Abuse never makes you strong. Abuse makes you weak. And in your weak, you need to bring your weakness and your brokenness to Christ because we all need the healing of Jesus. And lovingly, listen, if you were abused, what they did to you was wrong. I get it. That was wrong. But it never gives you a permission to abuse someone else. So you need to acknowledge that what you're doing is wrong and sinful and you need to humble yourself. That's the only way to do it. And you need to get help. And you need to stop. If you are suffering abuse today as your pastor, I want to say to you, if you're suffering physical abuse, get out. Leave. Get a safe distance. Get a safe place. Ask for help and don't go back. Because that's when often the worst abuse and death takes place. So once you're in a safe place, we want to help you. If you need to get in a safe place, we want to help you get in a safe place. That once you get in a safe place and time passes and you stabilize as a person, you deal with abuse. And some of you have been dealing with abuse for a long time and you're ready to heal uh, and you want to get healthy. I want to, tell you, I want to talk to you about something that's not easy to deal with. But it, you need to hear it. You can't heal and hate at the same time. If you want to get well you've, and you want to heal, then you can't hate. So how do we heal? Well, Jesus is our example. We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is our example. Jesus prayed for those who were abusing him. It's not easy to pray when you're angry. But when you stay angry, you stay a victim. You get that? You allow them to keep hurting you. Even after the abuse is stopped, your anger is, they're, they're still controlling you by the, what they've done in the past. So praying is important. And, you know, I'm not talking about praying, you know, you know God kill them. Well, I've been praying for him for a long time. <laughs> I've been praying for him to get hemorrhoids. <laughs> you know, I'm praying for every evil thing that can happen can happen to him. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying the way Jesus prayed. And here's what Jesus prayed for those who heard him, Matthew 23, 34. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And I acknowledge it's hard, and it may feel too soon, and it might be too soon. Maybe you need a little more time to process it, because forgiveness is often a process. Uh, it's a work that God does within us. God wants us to forgive, but what does it mean to forgive? Well, here's a couple of things. Forgiveness isn't letting your offender off the hook. You're not saying it didn't happen. You're releasing your offender to God and trusting God to do what's right with them. And it may mean there's also telling and getting legal authorities involved and the consequences that are involved with them before that, with that. 
It, but it's letting go of your need to control the situation and their punishment and trusting it to God. So Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus prays for them, and we need to pray for the people that have hurt us and forgive them. Uh, your prayers for others don't always change the other person, but prayer changes us. I found changes. Have you found that change is more difficult than you wish it were? It's a process. It's a long time. But it doesn't, it doesn't change them, but prayer will change you. Ephesians 4.32. Paul said to the Ephesians, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. He says, I want you to forgive others the way Christ has forgiven you. That's really hard to do. Right? It's hard. It's hard to forgive people that have hurt you and wronged you. It's hard to forgive them the way you have been forgiven. So what does this mean? Does this mean that things go back to, to normal? No. No. Hopefully not. The goal is for something different, something better. But forgiveness is for you. You, that's what sometimes we miss. You know, often, you know, you, you've heard that saying, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. It doesn't work that way. You're actually forgiving them selfishly. <laughs> Forgiveness is good and healthy for you. So you're doing it for your own benefit. Forgiveness frees you from the hatred and the anger and the bitterness and the pain. But it may not free you from the need for boundaries. Because trust is earned. We're forgiving people because of how, how and what Jesus has done for us. But we don't trust them until they prove they're worthy of trust, and they may never be. The Bible says a city without walls is vulnerable. So you need walls. You need boundaries. In some cases, you will say, I forgive you. I forgive you, but you can't talk to me like that. Dad, Mom, I love you. I want to talk to you and tell you how things are going, but the minute you start talking to me like that, I'm going to hang up the phone. I love you. I love you. But you can't say that to me anymore. You can't do that to me anymore. So you, you, you have to put some walls up. So there's, there's a lot more to talk about forgiveness. And I've preached two sermons about forgiveness. And so we're going to post, I, I told them uh, that it was episode 71, but that doesn't show up on your phone, so you can't find it that way. So uh, it is May the 18th, 2020. There's a sermon on forgiveness that goes into greater detail about how Jesus forgives and how we forgive. There's another episode. They're going to put that, they're going to post that, that information, a link to those two, there will be a link to those two sermons on, where will it be? Instagram and Facebook be a link to those sermons about greater forgiveness. So, 
we need to forgive, even though it's so hard to do. Jesus forgave those that were abusing him. Then he died and rose again. After the resurrection, Jesus still had scars. I have some scars through what I've been through in life. Have you got some scars? I didn't know this when I went into ministry, but sheep bite. (laughs) And, you know, I've got, those are minor in comparison to some of the scars and some of the things that you have endured. But we all have scars. If you live very long, you've got some hurts and some rejections, some wounds. Maybe you were sexually abused or physically abused or emotionally abused. But healing is possible. But the fact that you still have scars is part of the story of redemption. It's evidence of God's healing. I love this, that when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples and with Thomas in the room. And Thomas is the one who says, I won't believe it's him until I put my hand in his side and in his hands. So Jesus shows up and says, here I am, Thomas. You can put your hand in my side. The wound is there. Really, when you think about it, it's the only wounds in heaven. The only wounds in heaven will be the scars that Jesus bears for our salvation. You have wounds. You have scars. But the There's a power that Jesus defeated death. He overcame death. He was victorious over death. And they're the story of our redemption. I love the story. I love the song, Amazing Grace. Any of you like the song, Amazing Grace? You know, it's several hundred years old. And the man who wrote Amazing Grace, John Newton, it's a tremendous story of redemption in his life. I mean, he he was a slave trader. He started out as a young boy, uh, as a, on a ship. He was later captured and was a slave himself. Once he escaped, he became the captain of his own ship, and he was a slave trader. And when he came to faith in Christ, uh, out of that experience and God's grace in saving him and forgiving him for being such a wretch, for being so lost that he wrote this song and he he invested the rest of his life into eliminating the slave trade this he 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 greatly influenced those that were involved in abolishing the slave trade in England and that spread through around the world by by how God used his brokenness victoriously and God can use your brokenness There's a story of redemption, and God wants to use you. So let me close with this. Today, if you're taking steps, if if you've been abused, take steps to get free. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Don't let it continue. It's scary, I know, but we're here for you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to love on you. We're going to help you get help. I want to close with Isaiah 53. This is the prophecy foretelling the ministry of Jesus. Isaiah 53. Surely our griefs 
he himself bore. And our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, by his whips, we are healed. Because Jesus rose from the dark place of abuse and oppression by his power, we can rise. Because he defeated death and hell and the grave so that we could walk in that same level of victory. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, and it gives life to our mortal bodies. There is hope. God can bring you healing. You believe that? Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing this song again because he's our hope and peace. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.